0: Uh, after immediately following the second service, we are going to have a our, our uh, we're going to have a I guess a potluck, right? Potluck supper. I never understood what any of that means, but potluck. In my generation, it means something different. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my wife's who him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we're going to be honoring our veterans uh, specifically. Um, today, so so if you can, if you're able to stay afterwards and and come down um, and and join us, we just we just want to uh, say thank you to them. It's just a very small thing, right? But um, I think it's very important. I think it's important to 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 remember the people, the men and women who have, um, you know, <laughs> given of their time um, and also been willing to lay down their lives um, for for this country that we live in. So. Um, all the freedoms that we have and enjoy and take for granted uh, we have because of the brave men and women who've laid down their lives uh, for this for this great country. So um if you can join us, we would love we would love to have you. We are in the book of Exodus, if you would turn with me, <coughs> Exodus, and we're starting chapter fifteen, Exodus chapter fifteen. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for your love. Uh, And Lord, we pray that you would bolster our faith, Lord. We pray that you would, um, any faith that we have, Lord, be it big or small, we pray that you would lay under it the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ and his word, Uh, and that you would expand and grow our faith, Lord, to permeate every aspect of our lives, of our hearts, of our minds, of our emotions, uh, of our plans, of of, of everything that we have going on, Lord, that we would understand that you want in, in our lives, that you want to be a part of everything that we do, that you have a plan for each and every one of us, Lord, because you love us for no other reason than you love us, and that's why you sent your son to die on the cross for us, Lord, so help us to embrace that gift, Lord, and to not just uh, stop there, Lord, but to seek to build on that foundation uh, faith based on the truth of your holy word and based on the relationship that we have with you because of what Jesus did. So have your way among us and give us our portion, each of us, of of your daily bread, Lord. Strengthen our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Exodus chapter 15 begins, Then Moses... And the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. You wonder what tune they sang this to. I don't know. Maybe it sounds different in Hebrew. (laughs) If you imagine this on the radio, you'd be like, Hey, what in the world? Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And, are in the greatness of your, and in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And in the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the hearts of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. (laughs) You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, amongst the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Amen. Moses and the children of Israel uh, begin to sing this song, and, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we're reading through the Scriptures, you know, we read it in, in a chronological manner, uh, and, it, and it appears that everything is happening immediately. Bing, 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 bing. But And, and we can't really take into uh, consideration the time lapses. I'm not saying that this was written at a later date or anything anything like that. But I wonder... Were Moses and Aaron composing this song on their way through the Red Sea? Uh, Was this something spontaneous? Was this a prayer that sprang from Moses' heart? Once they were on the other side of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his armies who had come after them to, to, to pursue them, to destroy them, and God had told Moses to stretch out your hand over the Red Sea, your staff over the Red Sea again and speak to it, and God had caused the waters to come in on the chariots and on the armies of Pharaoh and destroy them. And you wonder if at that point in time Moses and Aaron standing over the edge, overlooking the ocean and Seeing the wreckage and seeing what had washed up on the shore that remained of the Egyptian army. If suddenly this sprang from his spirit. If this was something where God just inspired his heart and he began to sing it. Or if this was something that they were talking about as they were going through. If Moses was saying, you know what, Aaron? I'm going to start writing a song about the victory of God. Well, we ain't there yet, Moses. Yeah, but I'm going to start writing the song. I wonder. I like to believe that one. I like to believe that Moses, as he was passing through the Red Sea, before the deliverance was complete, before the finality of what God was planning and intending to do was done, that Moses was already singing the praises of his God for the deliverance. That Moses believed what God had to say. As we read about Father Abraham back in the book of Genesis, that he believed God, and God accounted it to him as righteousness... And Abraham, because of that, is called in the scriptures, the father of those who believe. That means, spiritually, he is our father. Remember, God told Abraham that your descendants are going to be like the sand of the seashore. And in a different place, he told him, your descendants are going to be like the stars of heaven. And the Bible talks about the fact that after this world has passed away, and we live and dwell with God forever, that we will shine like the stars. And I believe that what God was speaking to Abraham is, Abraham, you don't know the half of it. Not only am I going to cause a nation to spring from you, not only am I going to bless the entire world through Jesus Christ, my son, who's going to come through your lineage, but you have a lineage, you have a posterity that you know nothing of. You have a posterity that is spiritual, that comes, that is going to spring from your same heart of faith and believing in me. We are a royal priesthood, the Bible says, a holy nation, each one of us called by God and a gift given freely, the Bible says, to all who what? Believe. To all who believe. Believe. Now, we also understand and know from the scriptures that faith without works is dead. The Bible is very clear about this. He says, you'll show me your faith by the fact that you believe. I'm going to show you my faith by my works that God has ordained for me to do. He says that you believe, you believe that there is a God, you do well. So do the demons, and they tremble. But our faith that we have in God is made manifest through the things He has called us to do. And so, it's not enough. It's not enough. Now, please don't misunderstand me and mistake what I'm trying to say. The Bible is abundantly clear that we are saved by faith through grace alone. It is a free gift of God, not of works why? Least any man should boast. Because the first thing that happens when somebody does something good is what? They want to tell you about it. Right? As soon as I do something good... Honey, did you notice the, uh, the dishes that I washed? Uh, yeah, I noticed them. I was just picking the remainder of the food out of the bottom of the bowl, you know. I want recognition immediately for any good thing that I did. And Facebook and Instagram gives me... This great privilege, where as soon as I do the most menial of tasks, the simplest of stupid things, I can let you all know how wonderful I am, how magnanimous I am, how well I reflect the image and the likeness of Almighty God, you know. And Jesus, interestingly enough, when he spoke to the people, talked about this very thing. And you remember what he said Don't be like the hypocrites. When you fast, don't go about as the hypocrites do because they put on long faces and go, what's going on, brother? I've been fasting for the Lord, you know. No, 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 wash your face, anoint yourself with oil, and go about with gladness, for great is your reward in heaven. Remember Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Not on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but no, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is the treasure that Jesus is speaking of. Let our works be done before God and not men. We are not man-pleasers. We live and we serve at the pleasure of our God and Him alone. In fact, King David in the Psalms, when he was writing about the horrible sin that he had committed, one of his mighty men, Uriah, one of his soldiers, one of the great men from his army, he had had an affair with this man's wife. And it was found out that she was with child and he tried to bring Uriah back and set up a date night. (laughs) With him and his wife so that they could say it's Uriah's child. And Uriah being a man of valor and being a, a, a man of honor, he would not go in to his wife. Because he said, my men are in the field. My men are out there. And is it right for me to come home and in comfort go into to my wife? So he slept at the, at the outside of the door of David's castle, David's palace, David's home. He said, it's not right. And then because David saw that he was not able to cover up his sin, he gave instructions to the commander of the army that I want you to attack the city, I want you to go against it, and as you draw near to the wall, and they begin to fire upon the troops, I want you then to have the rest of the troops back up so Uriah is exposed. And Uriah was killed. And David tried to cover it all up by bringing Bathsheba into his home and taking her as his wife. I will take the grieving widow as my own to show my magnanimity. Imagine that. What a horrible person. This is King David. This is the one who slew Goliath. This is the one that we champion. We've got pictures of him on our walls in our kids' room. He's one of our heroes. He did one of the worst things, maybe the worst thing a human being can do. Not only did 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 he have an affair with his man's wife, but then when he couldn't cover it up, he had him killed and then took her for his own. And when the prophet came to him and he says, I want to tell you a story, David. There was two men. One was wealthy. He owned much land and many flocks. And he had many, many sheep, herds of sheep. And his neighbor was poor. And he had just one little ewe lamb, just one little ewe lamb. And he loved that ewe lamb. And he brought that ewe lamb into his home. And this little lamb ate from his table, from his hand, and slept next to his bed. He loved this ewe lamb. Now the rich man had a visitor who came from afar off. And the rich man thought in his heart, Rather than take one from my own flock and from my own herd, I will take my neighbor's little ewe lamb. And so he took his neighbor's little ewe lamb, and he slaughtered it. And he prepared it, and he fed it to his guest. And David's righteous indignation was fired. And he said, the man will die before the day. And the prophet said, thou art the man. Can you imagine? And David's heart was exposed before God. And David, in his psalm, when he writes about this this horrible event in his life, this horrible thing that he had done, he says this, Against you and you alone have I sinned, O God. David understood, and this is why God called David a man after his own heart, not because of David's performance, not because David always got it right. Golly, did he get it wrong? And he got it wrong royally. But because David understood, I live before God and not men. I am responsible to him and to him alone and the things that I do for him is because he's worthy, because he called me from the sheepfold, and he made me the king of Israel. And even that, even that, David didn't put his stock in, because when his own son rebelled against him and drove him from his kingdom, David didn't say a word. He said, if God has caused this to happen, then let it happen. Let it happen. David's words always were, let my judgment come from God. Just don't let me fall in the hands of men. That's how he lived his life before God. And that's how God wants us to live our lives before him. That he would be preeminent in our lives. So I don't know, as Moses and Aaron were walking through the Red Sea all night long... Uh, and Dad talked a little bit this morning about, you know, and and if you have the History Channel or National Geographic or any of those, and, you know, you ever see on, your are going through your TV guide thing, and it's, the miracles of the Bible explained. Uh, have you ever watched one of those? Oh, those are a joy. You know what I mean? Um, what I don't understand is, it's like, why even try? Like, why don't you just say it never happened? You know what I mean? Like, they'll have a whole thing on how the plagues happened by natural causes, by just occurrences of nature. There was a red tide, and then, you know, and old lady who lived in a shoe, and I don't know why she swallowed a fly, I guess she'll die, you know. And they have they play all of these somersaults and, and mental gymnastics, to try to explain away the miracles of God's Word and make it null and void by doing so. At the end of the day, if you study God's Word, you will be confronted with a miraculous God. You will be confronted with a God who claims that He can move mountains, that He can stop the sun, that He can part the seas, that He can heal the blind, the deaf, He can raise people from the dead, and He can change your life. He's a miraculous God. He's a holy and just God. Our job, what we bring to the table, believe. The people asked Jesus, what may we do that we may do the work of God? And Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. That's the work. Everything else springs From the roots that are buried in the faith that you have in God. This is what the apostles are talking about when they say a good tree bears good fruit. An apple tree bears apples. A grape vine bears grapes. No grape vine will bear figs. And the Bible says you will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. This is not some ominous warning to us as Christians, is that as I walk around as the official fruit of the loom inspector, you know what I mean? Oh, I'll be inspecting your fruit today. Oh, look at a pickled pear. Get get them out of here, you know. No, 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 no. But it's this. I will know that you have a relationship with God. I will know that you have a relationship with God by what i see in your life not perfection not perfection i've had young christians come up to me and telling me about their week and drop an f-bomb here and a this bomb there i don't ever recoil at that first of all i'm a tradesman you know what i'm saying like the virgin ears went away years ago okay but second of all i want you to be you I want you to be who you are. Don't you dare hide yourself from me. And I say that as your friend, as your pastor, as your brother. Don't hide yourself from me. Be who you are. I won't judge you. You know why? Because I know me. (laughs) Oh, you want to talk about an ugly picture. I look back at my life and my testimony, as the pastor once said that I've told you about this a million times, there's the testimony that I really have, and then there's the testimony that I tell people. Because I would never talk about the things that I've thought and some of the things, even that I've done, I don't want to talk about it. I'm so thankful when the Word of God says that He takes our sin as far away from us as the East is, from the West, and remembers them no more. I'm so thankful that the Word of God says that forgetting what is behind, we press on towards the goal that is set before us in Jesus. Aren't you? I'm so grateful for that. But it gives me this perspective don't judge. And Jesus said it better, don't judge. For in the same manner that you judge men, you'll be judged by God. And in the same measure that you measure it out, it will be measured out to you. Now if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. God forbid that I would ever look on someone and judge their life when I know what I've been forgiven of. There only lies before you forgiveness. There only lies before you freedom in Jesus Christ. Or we can go our own way, which is the way of the flesh, which is the way of misery, of death, of destruction. But the way of God is light and life. And Scripture teaches that there is now therefore how much condemnation? No condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But faith is the root of it all. What do I believe? How do I believe? I love it when the the Greek comes to Jesus and says, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a great prayer to say. Lord, I believe you, but I don't believe you for that. I want to, but I don't believe you for that. I don't trust you for that. Lord, help my unbelief. Because when we come together here to this place, this is a wellspring of healing. (laughs) That's what this is. This is a place where we gather together, we worship God, and we cover one another in prayer. We cover one another in good fellowship and encouragement. There's no condemnation. Help my unbelief, Lord, that He would bolster our faith. I will sing to the Lord, for His triumph gloriously. The horse and its rider He has thrown into the sea. What is the horse and rider that pursues you? What is the horse and rider that pursues you? Most of us, if not every single last one of us, have got a horse and rider. You know what I'm saying? And maybe like a miniature, like little action figure one. You know, like this, that continually is, is nipping at your heels. Or maybe it's a giant... <laughs> Clydesdale horse and rider that runs you over from time to time. What is the horse and rider that pursues you? What is it? And now listen, I'm not promising you that God is going to miraculously take away from you every problem that you have. And every sickness or every ailment that you have. Or take away all of your uh, financial woes. That's what Dave Ramsey's for, right? He is able... He is able. I don't know what God's will for your life is, but do you believe him? I guarantee he has in store for you victory. I guarantee he has in store for you a future and a hope. Now, what shape that takes or what he'll allow to leave in your life to instruct you and train you, even trials and tribulations, I can't say. That's between you and God. But do you have the faith like a mustard seed to bring it before him and say, it's all yours? It's all yours, and I believe you for the full healing. And I believe you for the, for the, for the rectification of this thing or that thing or, or, or the, the healing of this relationship or whatever the case may be for what's going on in my heart or my mind. I believe you for that healing, Lord. Now, allow me to walk along your path of righteousness, have your way in my heart, but God grant me peace. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. And we have fellowship with one another. Walk in the light. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 says this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith our faith the bible says that we are more than conquerors we are more than conquerors but by our faith this is the victory that has overcome the world and whatever is born of god overcomes the world that doesn't mean that you're not affected by it that doesn't mean that it doesn't influence you but it doesn't control you it doesn't own you The Bible teaches that we have been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been bought with a price. We have been purchased unto God for victory, for freedom. We allow ourselves to be entangled with the affairs of this world. You you hear me? We allow it. We allow ourselves to get caught up in the affairs of this world. We allow ourselves to be affected by the filth and the slime and the mire of this world. We allow it. Every time I listen to Glenn Beck, I want to kill half the country. Don't listen to Glenn Beck. (laughs) Then don't listen to, to, to Glenn Beck. You know he's a Mormon, don't you? No, I'm teasing. No, but seriously. Then don't listen to Glenn Beck. Why would you allow yourselves to be entangled in worldly affairs? You're not a civilian. All of you, all of you are in God's army. That's that's part and parcel. That goes along with the relationship. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, congratulations, you've been drafted. And those who are in the military don't entangle themselves in the affairs of civilian life because they have a higher goal that they need to accomplish. It's no different. The scripture specifically teaches for the Christian... We don't entangle ourselves. Don't allow yourselves. Now listen, I'm not saying that you can leap up from your chair today and be completely and 100% restored and healed of every area of your life that you've been suffering in. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying maybe that's God's plan for your life. I love how when God parted the Red Sea, the Scripture specifically teaches that He blew the wind all night long to part the Red Sea. Why didn't God just go, and the water went, like that? Why wind? Why all night long? I don't know. Maybe to show us it's always God's time. My job, my job, is to surrender it all. Remember that old hymn? I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. That's what God asks of us. That's what God wants from us. Exodus chapter 14, verses 30 through 31. If you want to just turn back. You see, Moses is a picture of Christ here as his faith wins the battle. Not the people's. Exodus fourteen thirty to 31 says, "...so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt." So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. After the victory, after the Red Seas closed in on the Egyptian army, after they saw the wreckage of the army spread out on the seashore, after there was no more fear, after there was no more, there was no more concern, there was no more danger, then they believed Moses. Five minutes before they answered into the Red Sea, was it because there was no graves in Egypt? That you brought us out of here and die. And Moses said, stand fast and see the deliverance of the Lord. And God brought them through. And when the people saw, they believed. But because they were unwilling to believe without seeing, it was short-lived. God wants you to believe him for the victory before it ever even begins in your life. God wants you to believe now. Uh, in Psalm 106, 7 through 15, David writes, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words, David writes. Then they believed his words. Now watch this. They sang his praise. They soon forgot. They sang his praise. They saw God do something. They believed. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Sent leanness into their soul. How much of the victory do we want? And how much of God do we want? We can be reactionary. Or we can be the Christians who, it's the roller coaster our entire lives. Where I fly off the, off the path and I'm off here doing my own thing for this period of time. And then God, uh, I remember God and, and his forgiveness. And like the prodigal son uh, or daughter, I come back again. And what happens? God forgives. God brings us back into the fold immediately and restores us. And it's only a matter of time before what happens, I begin to drift off the way again. Because my focus isn't where it should be. Because my faith for every single day and every single decision that I make in this life is not on the Lord, but it's on myself. Uh, If you write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, read that when you get home. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, write that down somewhere, remember that. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he talks about the children of Israel. And even though God delivered them from the hand of Egypt, and even though God performed mighty miracles, because of their unwillingness to believe, because of their unwillingness to stay true to God and His Word, they missed out on the promise. They missed out on what God had had in store for them. Another amazing example for us is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. Can you imagine? You ever think to yourself, I mean, I'm a weirdo, I understand this about myself. You ever you ever you ever, you ever daydream? You ever you ever just sit and daydream about things? Having superpowers? I do this. Like regularly. I, I should, I've been told I should see someone, but I'm afraid of what they'll say. I do. And I think about stuff like, I would love a time machine. Like when I do work in the old buildings in Syracuse, and I see the pictures from like the turn of the century. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I want to get in a time machine and just walk around Syracuse for one day. They'd probably kill me or something. You know what I mean? It'd probably be awful. They'd be like, oh, look at the blob. Put him in the fair. You know, <laughs> who knows? But I think of these things. Can you imagine, you ever think to yourself, can you imagine being with Jesus Christ? Being with Jesus Christ, sitting at his feet, listening to him preach the Sermon on the Mount live. Watching him heal the blind man, heal the leper, heal the lame, raise the dead, feed the 5,000. Forgive sins, walk on water, calm the storm. And at the end of three years of that, turn your back on him and betray him. There is a Judas Iscariot in every single one of us. In every single one of us. When the Bible talks about crucifying the flesh, putting to death the old man, that's the one he's talking about. The Judas in me. God wants to see him put to death. The Judas in me. The Judas in you. So that we can live in victory and walk in his strength. The Lord is my strength and my song in Exodus fifteen two, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Moses was not speaking of his earthly father here, but of Abraham, the father of God's promise and of those who believe. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, God said to Moses, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses understood that he was a son of the promise. Moses understood that he was a son of the promise. And he believed God for God's healing, for God's deliverance. And this is the beautiful thing as God begins to reveal himself to mankind through Moses and he comes up with these I am's, I am, I am, I am becoming, I am that I am. It, it, you could literally translate that, I am becoming that which you need me to be. I'm not talking about an ATM machine, okay? Understand, I'm not talking about a, a, a supercar Pez dispenser, okay? That's not what you, God is becoming what you need need him to be what you need him to be what do i truly need how often do i not even know my own heart i don't even know that's why when the bible talks about praying and speaking in tongues it says so often when we're talking to god we don't even know what to say but we end up speaking to him in groans that cannot even be uttered. This is that, this is that when Paul's talking about speaking in tongues and that, that prayer language. What he's talking about there is us coming before God and not even knowing what to say. God, I don't know where I should go. God, I don't know what the plan is. God, I don't know what the resolution. You do. You do, Lord. I don't even have to speak intelligible words to you. I can just come before you and open up my heart to you and trust you. You have the solution. You have the answer. My job? Walk in faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, Lord, and for the truth and the foundation, Lord, of the rock of Jesus Christ and of your holy word, Lord. Father, increase our faith. Bolster it, Lord. Strengthen it. Build it up in us. Lord, help us to be a people that will trust you for every single every single thing in our lives, Lord, and hold nothing back, Lord, and allow ourselves to be like that tree uh, by the river of life, Lord. That just your truth and your spirit flows through us and causes us to bloom, Lord, and to bear fruit and to grow strong, Lord. Uh, Lord, we we're, we're, <laughs> we get tired of of uh, setting our roots down in the things of the flesh, Lord, and, and coming up with nothing but mushy apples with worms in them. Lord, and we just pray, Father, that you would help us to put our roots where they belong, in you, in the truth of your word, Lord, for everything in our lives. We glorify you, we praise you, and we thank you. And Lord, we ask you to bless the food to our bodies as we go down and break bread with our, uh, our veteran brothers and sisters, Lord. We pray that you bless our time together. And I pray for everyone, Lord, as they leave this place, that you'd be with them in peace, that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them, Lord, and that you'd lead them along your path of righteousness and truth, Lord, and that you would guide them to works of faith and ministry, that they would be shiners of the light, Lord, spreaders of the soul. Uh, Lord, that you would give them an impact in their lives, in their homes, in their workplaces, wherever they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.